Welcome to the Kapow Radio Show. It's March 13th, 2017. Kapow stands for Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. This show I want to do today, I've been wanting to do for a while, and it's just been difficult for me to kind of put everything together and sit down and do it. And I just, I'm having a difficult time doing it, but I thought, you know what, I'm just going to let it fly. So this is what's happening. I'm going to let it fly. It's on transgenderism, transgenderism and the Bible. There's a lot of transgender agenda out there today with the media and with celebrities, with musicians and actresses and actors, a lot of transgender stuff. It's going to be the new laws, just like homosexuality was put into the mainstream in America by the Supreme Court in 2008 under the Obozo administration. Transgenderism will be the same thing. They're fighting for rights um, to dress like women or dress like men. All of us with common sense know there's no such thing as transgender. You don't change your gender. You can't change your sex. You can't change your species. No matter what kind of confusion they want to place on us, it doesn't work. But the problem is, just like homosexuality, after a while you get desensitized to it because you're bombarded, bombarded, bombarded with the agenda. And pretty soon you get desensitized. Um. You know, where you go, well, I, I'm not gay, but I live around a bunch of them. Um, some of them I like. Some, you know, I do business with. They're friends or neighbors. And uh, so, you know, so be it. And that's okay. I'm not saying, you know, by all means, I'm not saying to hate anybody uh, or go to war with anybody because of their choices. I mean, sin is sin. A sinful lifestyle, whether you're a transgender or homosexual lesbian, whatever, is no different than if you're a tax evader, tax cheater, murderer, a hater of the heart. I mean, I mean, go on and on. I mean, sin is sin. There's only two masters. There's God, Yahweh, and then there's Lucifer. One can only serve one master. You either serve one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. There's no gray area. It's If you're not serving Yahweh... You're serving Lucifer. It, it's that it's that simple. And some may say, "Well, yeah, but I'm I'm not serving Lucifer. I'm not a Satanist. I don't worship idols." But you're not worshiping Yahweh. So if you're not worshiping Yahweh, you're worshiping Lucifer. You're in his system. You're in the worldly system. So it doesn't matter what sin you're into. It doesn't matter what kind of sexual perversion you're into. Sin is sin. So the reason why I'm singling this out is because it is so in our face lately. It is such a big agenda that they're pushing over and over that I just had to go look at Scripture and see what Scripture says about this. Also, <clears throat> excuse me, in my research, I found the um, website. It's called a Christian something or Gay Christian 101, something like that. And they go through great, great lengths to convince their readers, their followers, other gay Christians, that it's okay to be gay and, and be Christian, and that biblically, they go through great lengths to show biblically that it's okay, that um, we're just misinterpreting the Bible on these things, and it's, it's okay. 
And it just amazes me how people will go through great lengths to justify sin, justifying serving another master instead of just serving Yahweh and obeying his commands. So because I saw some of their arguments uh, and things, which if you're undiscerning and you were just to read their arguments, you would go, well, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense. And not realizing that um, they're taking Scripture uh, out of context, not only within the context of the biblical book, but out of context with the entire Scripture. They use a lot of Old Testament, Leviticus and uh, Deuteronomy to justify their sexual perversion uh, and won't even touch the Pauline epistles. Uh, But it's the whole biblical, spiritual perspective we have to take in place when we're dealing with this stuff. So anyway, I just thought I would put something together real quick and kind of address this. And it's all over the place. I mean, if if you're a YouTube watcher, someday type in um, trans investigations, because there's several people out there. There's some people that are better than others, uh, but several people are out there that are um, investigating the the transgenders. And when I first saw these these videos, there's one particular uh, gentleman out there. I I listened to his stuff, and everybody to him is a transgender. <laughs> every female actor, uh, every celebrity, female-looking celebrity, model, um, newscast, famous newscaster. I'm not talking local news, but, you know, famous. Everybody famous, uh, he says, is a transgender. And he he points out and he shows the thickness of the neck and the fingers and, and the hips. And he goes through all the body design of a man and a woman. I mean, he he does good research on that. But when I first started watching him, I, I thought the guy was kooky. I, I said, this guy's crazy. I mean, this guy's queer on queer. I mean, he's like uh, everybody he sees is transgender. It's pretty funny. And then I, I really watched several of his videos. And I went, you know, I can see it. I mean, at first I couldn't see it, but then I started seeing it. And they have a certain look about them. My This is just my opinion. This is Paul's opinion. So this isn't from God. This isn't biblical anything. This is just my opinion. I'm entitled to an opinion. Here's my opinion. I think whether these people are born with a vagina or a penis matters little because it's the spirit that's in them that begins to manifest in the physical. The physical manifests what's in the spiritual. My opinion is that when someone delivers their soul over to Satan, that they begin to take on that characteristic. And they take on a physical characteristic of a fallen one, of a Nephilim. Uh, The Nephilim were the offspring of the fallen angels, the watchers who left their first estate and mated with daughters of men. It's in Genesis 6-4. We all know this. Hey, everyone. This is your brother Kapow speaking to you. Many of you already know that my beautiful co-host, wife, and I have authored numerous books together. Two are available in paperback, as well as in Kindle download. They are titled, Demons in My Marriage Bed, A True Story of Spiritual Warfare, and Eyes to See Unseen Enemies Looking at the Neo-Pagan Church. We want to offer to our Kapow Radio listeners a special $2 discount from the retail price of these two paperback books. Demons in My Marriage Bed is only 
Eyes to See Unseen Enemies is only $8.99. This is how you can get your discount. Go to fifthhookmedia.com, F-I-F-T-H-O-O-K media.com and click on books and then scroll down to select the book you want to get. Copy or write down the discount code for the book you want to buy and click on the linked code to go directly to our CreateSpace website. Paste or type in the discount code at checkout. Voila, $2 off. Additionally, you can go to createspace.com, go to the search bar, use the drop-down menu to the left of the bar to search the store. Type in either title of the book you want, enter the discount code at checkout. Now the codes are up front on both book pages. You can't miss them. We hope you take advantage of this offer and please write us a review in Amazon. Share this information with others you think may like our material and may our Lord and Savior richly bless all of you. But the watchers, the angels, their whole purpose with their children was to have them worshiped. They didn't so much demand worship on themselves. They wanted their children worshiped. So when God destroyed so many of them in the flood and they became disembodied earthbound spirits, see, they can't resurrect. They can't, there's no salvation for them. They're, they're creatures not created by God. So there's just what you call your demonic earthbound spirits, your evil spirits, your wicked spirits. Because they're male and because they were homosexual, uh, that's what they did. These giants, it's, you read these stories throughout history. That's what they did. They're cannibalistic. They were homosexual. They were sodomites. Uh, even Sodom and Gomorrah talks about um, in the New Testament how they went after strange, strange flesh foreign flesh, alien flesh. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of people have done a lot of study on this. You can find this other areas. We're not going to do that today. My, my point that I want to make is that when a human born with a vagina and is a female and later on gives itself, gives themselves over to this other God, this other agenda they begin to take on physically what's going on inside spiritually. And I begin, they be, I, I believe they begin to take on male characteristics and that's why they look like trannies. Whether they really are physically or not, I don't know. Maybe they really are. You know, other people go way out there and say, you know, they're genetically modified and star children and all that stuff. That could be true too. As we, you know, talk about Daniel uh, chapter two on that about mixing of the seed of with men, not of of women, but of men, the seed of men. That could be possibly too possible too. But one thing for certain is is these these folks do take on a, a transgender appearance. They look like trannies. Miss Capel and I just the other day were watching a documentary. It's very interesting. Um, it was on Amazon Prime, and it's on that the rock group, the knack in 1979, you remember the knack and they did that famous song, my Sharona. And, um, I grew up with that. I had that album. I I was a great band. I loved the drummer. Bruce Gary was just one of my favorite drummers. Um, but we were watching this documentary and what was amazing 
is the the kind of magical spell he was under. Um, as you all know, I'm very sensitive to this kind of stuff because I was under a magical uh, love spell myself at one point. And th- this guy was as soon as he met Sharona, uh, Doug, uh, the the leader of the Knack and the the co writer of the song by Sharona. As soon as he met her when she was 17, he was smitten. Uh, I mean, so so much where his her smell even um, drove him crazy, and he was it was it's just smacks of of witchcraft. And I'm not saying that she was a witch. I'm just saying it was a witch, just this lust, uh, crazy lust. I had no idea that the band, all their lyrics were so filthy. They were a very lustful, sexual band, and I had no idea when I was growing up listening to them. And that's how that's how Satan is. He he gets you by the beat. He gets you with the music, and you have no idea what you're singing or what you're you're worshiping, really. But uh, anyway, as as they as this documentary went on, they um, interviewed Sharona. She's still alive. She sells real estate in um, Beverly Hills and Hollywood to high celebrities and stuff. But as she talked, she looked like a man. She looked like a transgender. Um, I mean, her features were very manly and big man hands and everything. And, um, you know, once you kind of get to know what to look for, you see this. I thought, oh, my goodness, what is this all about? You know, this is weird. Um, so I began to dig a little, you know, dig around a little more. And the pictures of her at 17, and she looks like a 17-year-old, you know, female, I suppose. I mean, any young man could look like a female when they're young. It's harder to look like a, a female as you grow as an older man to hide that. And um, I believe that's why they do the, the facial reconstruction surgery, not to look younger, but to hide the fact that they're men. And um, so I began to look at this, and I saw a recent picture of her, a pretty you know recent. Uh, she has a website because she sells real estate, and she looks just like a tran- tra- uh, transgender. She looks like a tranny. Um, unbelievable. But what what this sparked in me was that, man, this has been going on for a long, long time. I mean, my Sharona wasn't just the first time. I mean, it's been going on. I mean, how about how about all those songs about, you know, Venus? So uh, it was at Frankie Avalon and Venus. And I mean, back in the 60s. And I mean, this goes on forever. And I, I begin to question, what would be the purpose of writing, of getting a hit song? Because Satan gives you that hit song. You got to understand that. Satan gives you the kingdoms of the world. He took Jesus up to the high pinnacle and he said, you see all these kingdoms of the world, they can be yours. For what? If you worship me, you can only serve two masters. I mean, one master can't serve two. You worship me all these. And he says it all authority. Satan says this to Jesus Christ. All authority has been given to me and I give them to whom I wish. Folks, you can't deny that. Satan is in control. This is his world. This is his society. He makes and breaks rock stars, politicians, presidents, newscasters. That's why you can see, oh, this guy's a good musician, but he's a Christian or has values. He'll never make it. You'll never make it in business either. You can't buy or sell unless you accept that mark. A song like My Sharona sold millions within days. They recorded it live. I mean, they recorded the whole album like in 11 days, live in a studio. I mean, it's just stuff that was is unheard of. And you think, well, what's the harm of that? You know, it's a filthy, it's a filthy song. If you listen to the lyrics, it's filthy. But it says, lust for Sharona. But if Sharona was a man, if Sharona really is not a female, what's the agenda behind that? 
Because you get thousands and millions, hundreds of thousands of men, uh, little boys and girls singing this song, celebrating a transgender nephilim, a demonic spirit, a transgendered spirit. It's, it's all part of the world. I, I, I know there's a whole lot more to it. I know there is. But just, I just spitball that out. That with these pop culture, pop songs, what's the purpose? What harm is it to sing about My Sharona? By the way, My Sharona uh, comes from the Rose of Sharon, or Sharon from Hebrew, which is the plain between Israel and the Mediterranean Sea, the beautiful plain. So it's, it's probably Kabbalistic. But uh, millions and millions of kids in gen- different generations still flock to that song and sing My Sharona. They celebrate it. They celebrate it. That means they bow down to it. They worship it. Um, it's very possible that the real Sharona is a, is a transgender. Back in 79. Interesting. Interesting. So let's get on. Uh, you all know Daniel 242. I've talked about this a lot. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Uh, you noticed in Genesis 6.15, or I'm sorry, 3.15, <clears throat> the curse on the serpent and the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. The seed of the woman. Christ comes from the seed of the woman. Humans come from the seed of the, the woman. If you notice here in Daniel, it's the seed of men. It's not the seed of women. It's the seed of men. And... Um, I think I talked a little bit about this on Freedom Friday, about ritualistic magic sex, about uh, tantric sex, where the um, the priest is demon possessed and then has sex with the prostitute. Uh, the ritualistic sex, they become impregnated, and the seed that goes out of him is now mixed and altered uh, with nephilim, <laughs> which goes into a baby body host, and that. Uh, Kid grows up not fully human, hybrid. I, that's just one of the ways. So they mix with the seed of men. There's there's ways to manipulate spiritually the sperm of man, the sperma of man. Uh, Daniel two forty two. So this this whole transgender stuff. <clears throat> what's going on with it? It's been around for a while. Biblically, okay. Biblically, let's look at. Um. You know, there's there's the homosexual sodomite uh, scriptures, and you can't you can't really separate the two because they all have to do with temple prostitution and um, paganism and worshiping another god. So you can't you can't separate it. But uh, let's start with Leviticus twenty thirteen. It says, "If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination." They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. 
So it was a death sentence in ancient Israel to be a homosexual. Of course, uh, Christian Gay Christian 101 takes this scripture and they go through great lengths to, quote unquote, prove to you that it's not regular um, homosexual love, man-on-man love, but temple prostitution that God is mad at. And that's what this law is about. It's about if you participate in temple prostitution, basically what I was saying, your sperm is altered and you um, you impregnate women with, with a demonic uh, force. That's what was an abomination to God, not just regular man love. <clears throat> so they go through great lengths to try to prove that. However, just reading the scripture on the surface like I just did, that's not what it says. It, it doesn't say that. In a context, it doesn't doesn't say temple prostitution. But, um, hey, why let the facts get in the way of, of a good lie? Deuteronomy 22.5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. And to me, this was the strongest transgender scripture uh, I could find that just came right out and said, you know, a woman shouldn't be looking like a man and a man shouldn't be looking like a woman. It's an abomination to the Lord. And I'm sure Christian, gay Christian 101 would say that all that's ritualistic, dressing like a woman in the pagan temple and not, you know, just prancing around looking pretty. Um, And it's, it's important for you to know what the other side, what their argument would be. Um, like I said, you know, gay Christian 101, they go through great lengths uh, to break down the Hebrew and the Greek. And I mean, they, they're doing apologetics just like you would do apologetics, but they're, but they're trying to prove that it's okay to be gay and that God was condemning ritualistic pagan temple prostitution and sex and not just regular gayness. So if you have to go through that much trouble to justify your sin, I think you've got a problem there. Um, and I could take the same, uh, I could take the same approach to to anything. I mean, um, what else do they do in pagan pagan temples? Well, they they sacrifice children to the fire of Molech, right? They kill children. But I can take that outside of the pagan temple and just kill a kid, um, not not doing ritualistic magic, but just kill him. And it's going to be okay with God because it's, well, it's not an abomination to him because it's outside of the pagan temple. So that's how ridiculous the argument is. All right. So let's look at Deuteronomy 23, 17. It says that the daughters, there shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. All right. So the word whore is uh, Kadesa. And this is interesting because it's a um, a female devotee, a prostitute, a harlot, a whore, but it is, it really is a temple prostitute. The The word Kadesa means like holy one. Uh, you heard, you know, the Hebrew word uh, Kodesh, holy. So it's a holy one. It's a female temple prostitute. Uh, in Hebrew, it's actually a holy one. And this is what Gay Christian 101 would talk about, uh, there shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel. What they say is that there shall be no temple prostitutes, pagan temple prostitutes among the daughters of Israel. 
uh, but it's okay to be a, a Jewish whore, right? So that's what they're saying. Uh, nor a sodomite. Now, the word for uh, sodomite, because we all know that we've taken the word Sodom and Sodomite from the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom was a actual place. It wasn't named Sodom because they were Sodomites. That came after the etymology of it, right? The word study of that. But they were homosexuals in there because that's what Genesis 19.4 reads. That's what they were doing. So that's it. Sodom and sodomy became uh, synonymous with, uh, with homosexuality. So the word here, um, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel, is Hadis, uh, or um, it's a sacred person. It comes from Kadash. It's a sacred person. It's a male devotee, prostitution, a sodomite. It's a male temple prostitute. Um, in fact, it's not just a regular male walking around selling his butt in the streets of Israel. It is a male prostitute in a pagan temple. That's what the scripture is referring to. All right. So my question is, is it okay? Because uh, this refers to male prostitution or female prostitution in a pagan temple situation. Is it okay to take that behavior outside of the pagan temple and then it's okay. That's my question. Then it's okay? What makes it an abomination to God? Because it's in the pagan temple or because of the behavior, what you're doing? Verse 18 says, Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore. Same word. Same word. No, I'm sorry. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore. It's not the same word. Uh, it is zana or sometimes zona. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, it means to commit adultery, uh, female, uh, often referred to as simple fornication, right? So that's kind of like the, uh, the regular street whore, not the temple prostitute or the price of a dog. And that word is dog. It's contempt, abasement, a pagan sacrifice or male cult prostitute. So, you, so it says, thou shalt not bring the hire. So the money of a whore or a uh, temple prostitute male into the house of the Lord, right? For any vow, because both of these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. What is God trying to say here? If you get money from being a whore or a uh, homosexual prostitute on the street, it's okay to then give that price as a vow to God. Because it was outside of a pagan temple? Is that, is that what God means? I would say not. I would say not. Um, I'm not speaking for God, but I think the, the word, the scriptures in general speak for themselves. Uh, and I would say that's not what it means. All right? So that was Deuteronomy. Um, yeah. That was Deuteronomy. And then we, had, we already looked at uh, Leviticus there, about lying with mankind. And then, like I said, the strongest one about transgenderism was Deuteronomy 22.5, and the woman shall not wear uh, men's clothes or looks like a man or you know, vice versa. It's an abomination, and it's uh, not cool, right? 
And um, let's look at, let's see here. Let's look at some other Old Testament stuff. Let's look at um, mm-hmm. Genesis 19.4. talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they, they called out unto Lot, and they said unto him, Where are the men? Those are the angels, right? Which came into thee this night. Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And that word is to have sex with them, to know them in a personal way, right? And everybody knows the story of that. So you can't get around that. That's where we get sodomy from. Uh, there was homosexuals in the city of Sodom. Their wickedness of the behavior that uh, came to God's attention throughout the whole plain there, Sodom and Gomorrah and all these other cities around there, is what caused the, the judgment of God to come down on them. Right? So if that happened in the past, it's got to happen in the future. When you see the rise of this homosexuality, uh, historically, and the rise of transgenderism, and it, it, there, it is historic. It's not just something new, even though it's being pushed uh, really strong right to us today. It's been in the past. Every time you see that, those societies don't last. See, it's the wickedness doesn't, uh, it won't last. Let's look at First Kings fourteen twenty four, and it says, and there were also sodomites in the land. And they did according to all the abominations of the nations, which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel, right? Uh, once again, the word there, sodomites, means a male temple prostitute, somebody who's unclean. So the Christian Gay 101 would say that this scripture here refers to male temple prostitutes that were in the land at that time, and they did things that were an abomination to the Lord, just like the people that were cast out by God before the children of Israel. But this isn't regular man love. It's not mambla. It's temple prostitution and has nothing to do with man love. Uh, I'll let you decide if that you think that's reasonable or not. Uh, here's another one. First Kings 15, 12 says, And he took away the sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. See, sodomites and idols go hand in hand. Once again, the word is sacred person. It's a holy person is what it means. It's quadis. It's, um, it's a, a sodomite is a sacred person because it's a male prostitute in a pagan temple. Not the temple of Yahweh, but a demonic pagan temple. That's what it is. They took him out of the land and removed all the idols. So the... Christian 101 people and the transgender people who want to be Christians would say that has nothing to do with regular man love or regular um, transgenderism because um, God made a mistake and made me a male and I, and I feel like I'm a female. First Kings twenty two forty six says, and the remnant of the sodomites, same word, holy person or sacred person, a male devotee by prostitution to idolatry, a sodomite. All the remnant of the sodomites which remained in the days of his father, Asa, he took out of the land. Okay, so why would he be taking these people out of the land? Because they were an abomination to God. But according to the Gay Christian 101 people, as long as uh, you're being gay and you're not 
in a uh, temple prostitute situation, then you're cool. (laughs) God's cool with it. And I wouldn't want to test that theory, folks. Not at all. Okay, let's... um, Okay, how about uh, let's, Leviticus? Uh, oh, I read this one. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with a womankind. It's an abomination, right? So no homosexuality there. There's nothing in that context that says it's talking about uh, uh, pagan temple prostitutes. There's nothing in that context, even though they would love to have that in there. It's, it doesn't. Uh, let's go down to Job. Job, and it says, um, they die in their youth, and their life is among the unclean. That word there is the same word, uh, Kadis. It's a sacred person. It's a devotee by prostitution, a sodomite. That could have been translated sodomite. They die in youth, and their life is among the sodomites. Okay, that could have been translated that in Job. Okay, so it's a pretty bad thing to be placed in there with the temple prostitutes, the sodomites, homosexuals. But it's okay as long as you're not doing it in a pagan temple to Satan. uh, God's cool with it. Uh, Judges 19.22 says, Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came unto thine house that we may know him. In other words, they wanted to have sodomy with him. They wanted to have sex with the man. All right. Uh, once again, a, a story that sounds a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah, doesn't it? And that's um, okay. So let's look at some of the New Testament uh, because the Christian 101. Christian 101, gay Christian 101, uh, won't address the New Testament, uh, but they, they use all these Old Testament scriptures, and they like to use the Hebrew uh, words about a sacred person, and so it's not referring to a regular prostitute. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators... What's a fornicator? That's perverse people who doing sexual stuff. It's akin to uh, a prostitute, fornicator, a whoremonger, right? It says, uh, neither fornicators nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor, now check this out, nor effeminate, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with men. So let's really look at this word, uh, effeminate. It's a Greek word, effeminate. Um, It's usually translated soft, uh, soft to the touch, uh, but in a bad sense. It's to, um, uh, sometimes it refers to of a boy kept for homosexual relations with a man. Pedophilia! Or a male who submits his body to unnatural lewdness. A male prostitute! Could mean all those things. That's what effeminate is. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. What could that possibly mean? What was Paul talking about? One who lies with a male as with a female, a sodomite, a homosexual. All right? You can't separate. You can't separate this stuff. Now, Paul doesn't say anything about being a transgender here. And then someone to argue 
in that community, well, transgenderism isn't about sex. Just because I want to dress like a female doesn't mean I want to have sex with a man or a female. I just feel like I'm a female. And I'll get to that later. I'll show you what, what comes out of transgenderism historically. Now, Paul doesn't talk about that specifically here, now does he? But he says, be not deceived, neither fornicators. Fornicators, a male prostitute, a debauched person, a whoremonger. You really want to dress like a chick? Chicks, you want to dress like a dude? Idolaters. Well, who are you serving? You can only serve one master. You're a worshiper of a false god. You're an idolater. Even a Christian participant in any way in the worship of heathenism. One who attends anything that's sacrificed to demons. You can even worship money or fame or your sexuality. Idolaters. What is that? One who's faithless towards God, an ungodly person, effeminate nor abusers of themselves. Guess what? It goes on. The list goes on. And then Paul says in verse 11, um, you're not going to, I mean, he, he does say it's such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified and you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So that means if you were a homosexual, you're not anymore. If you, if you were a transgender, you're not anymore. You don't keep sinning and then and justify it with, with your website. That's, that's not what it's about, right? And if you don't, you're not entering the kingdom of God. It's that, it's that simple. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Uh, Paul in Romans says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Sodomy, homosexuality, transgenderism. Transgenderism, transgenderism is this uh, honoring your body. You know that. It's um, dishonoring the image of, of God. It's dishonoring yourself. It's repulsive. First Timothy 9, 1 Timothy 1, I'm sorry, uh, 9 and 10, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, for murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind. Sodomites. For men stealers. A men stealer. Everybody knows that? Everybody heard that? Who steals the slaves of others and sells them? Sounds like Wall Street. Sounds like the American government. For liars, for perjured persons. And if there be anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. Wow. I don't think Christian, gay Christian 101 is sound doctrine, folks. Uh, one last scripture. I mean, there's, I can go on. There's, there's a lot of them. I'm just trying to guide you to transgenderism in the Bible. So, you know, so you don't get fooled because honestly, you're going to get desensitized to this stuff. You know, uh, the more you watch TV, the more you, you're in the world or working or whatever you got, you're going to get desensitized to it. Um, not that you'll ever agree with it. Just like, you know, you don't want to see two hairy men kissing each other in public, but you're going to get desensitized to it. It's, you're like, well, you know, um, but don't, don't let anybody tell you that, uh, 
you can continue to do this and it's not sin. Just like any other sin, you can't continue uh, being a gangster and serving Christ either. So it's just one of the things I'm pointing out. Revelation 9, 8 through 13 says, now here, now here's a good transgender passage in Revelation. And they had hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions. And uh, there were um, stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes thereafter. All right. Um, it's interesting that they would have hair as women. Why? Why would these crazy demonic locusts have hair like women? Well, I'm telling you, transgenderism is demonic. So is homosexuality. That's what they did. That's what they do. Um, let's go back and look at some some history, okay? I'd read 1 Kings 14 through 24. Now, this is pretty interesting. This is according to the 5th century B.C. historian Herodotus. Uh, he says the rites performed at these temples, we're talking about temple prostitutes, you know, uh, Gay Christian 101 wants to say it's all about temple prostitutes, um, male temple prostitutes and not just regular man love. So Herodotus, way back in the 5th century B.C., way before Christ's birth, writes that um, that the rites, the stuff that's going on at these temples included sexual intercourse, or what scholars later called sacred sexual rites. That's what I was talking about, folks, about how the sperm is mixed. The foulest Babylonian custom is that which compels every woman of the land to sit in the temple of Aphrodite and have intercourse with some stranger at least once in her life. Many women who are rich and proud and disdain to mingle with the rest drive to the temple in covered carriages drawn by teams and stand there with a great retinue of attendants. But most sit down in the sacred plot of Aphrodite uh, with crowns of cord on their heads. There is a great multitude of women coming and going. Passages marked by line run every way through the crowd by which the men pass and make their choice. You get what's happening here? I mean, this, this is history. This is what was going on in the 5th century BC. This is what, what, what the Bible's writing about. Then he goes on, he says, once a woman was taken, has taken her place there, she does not go away to her home before some stranger has cast money into her lap and had intercourse with her outside the temple. But while he casts the money, he must say, quote, I invite you in the name of Malita, end of quote. It does not matter what sum of money it is. The woman will never refuse, for that would be a sin. The money being by this act made sacred. Get it? It's sacred prostitution. So she follows the first man who casts it and rejects no one. After their intercourse, having discharged her sacred duty to the goddess, you get it? She goes away to her home. And thereafter, there is no bribe, however great, that will get her. So then, 
See, she has to take the mark of the beast. Do you understand that? In order to be not messed with. So then the, the women that are fair and tall are soon free to depart, but the uncomely have long to wait because they cannot fulfill the law. For some of them remain for three or four years. This is a custom like this in every uh, or some parts of Cyprus. That's from the, the historian Herodotus. Uh, this is what was going on. So you think if you take that act outside of that temple, <coughs> then, then that's okay. That's okay. You could be a Christian prostitute. Um, and, and I'm not just talking about the women. They were forced into it. I'm talking about the men who paid for that. Huh? I could be a Christian and just get addicted to porn. I can just be addicted to porn. Take heed, my friends. Take heed. Let's look at Josephus. Everybody knows who Josephus is. He's a Jewish historian. And this is from the throne of blood. It's a history of the times of Jesus from 37 BC to 70 AD. It's taken from chapter 13, page 185, and it's entitled The Galileans. Okay, and here's here's what he said. He says, this is all what's going on. There's a whole lot going on. I'm just going to read this little bit. But the Jewish temple in uh, 70 AD is under siege, uh, not so much by the Romans, but by ungodly Jews, ungodly men. And here's what's going on. Within Jerusalem, this quote, this is what Josephus is writing. Within Jerusalem, the Galileans, whom John, that, that was a certain leader, a Jewish leader in that day, allowed to do whatever they wanted because of their loyalty to him, were running amok. Now check this out. Their urge to plunder was insatiable. Murder and rape were their common, common entertainments. They devoured their spoils. Now check this out. And turned to feminine wantonness, decking their hair, dressing in women's clothing, painting their eyes. Not only did they look like women, they indulged in homosexuality and defiled the whole city, continuing to kill like men. That's Josephus, the Jewish historian, writing about the times prior to the fall of the Jerusalem temple in 70 AD. There were Galileans there. These are rotten, filthy, demonically possessed Jews. Not Romans, not pagans, Jews. And their leader was a guy named John. And he allowed them to do whatever they want. And they raped and they murdered and they plundered. But what's interesting is they turn to feminine wantedness. They decked their hair, they dressed in women's clothing, and they painted their eyes. They wore makeup. And they looked like women. And they indulged in homosexuality. They defiled everything, but yet they still continued to kill like men. That's history. That's history. That is what it leads up to. It's always demonic. I read Deuteronomy 23:17 and it's the Hebrew Bible in the Hebrew Bible uh, and I talked about that uses two different words for prostitute zona and kadesha or kadesha the word zona simply means an ordinary prostitute or a loose woman and the word kadesha literally means consecrated from um, meaning a consecrated or holy set apart uh, a prostitute 
in spite of the cultic significance of a Kiddushah to a follower of the Canaanite religion, the Hebrew Bible makes it clear that cultic prostitution had no place in Israelite or Judahite religion, thus the Hebrew version of Deuteronomy 23, 17 through 18 tells followers that none of the daughters of Israel shall be a Kedeshah, nor shall any of the sons of Israel be a Kadesh. right? They can't be a temple prostitute, but does that mean they can still be gay? No. You shall not bring the hire of a prostitute, a zonat, or the wages of a dog, a caliph, into the house of the Lord your God to pay a vow, for both of these are abomination to the Lord your God. Um, a scholar, Stephen O. Murray, writes that biblical passages ban uh, Kadeshim and link them with gods and forms of worship detested by Orthodox followers of Yahweh. Uh, Celia Brewer Sinclair has written that the ethical demands of the uh, covenant preclude worshiping Yahweh in lasciduous sexual rites or sacred sexual rites. Uh, Mel Priest. Now, see, that makes sense. See, you can't. You can't worship Yahweh with uh, false fire. False fire. You can't say, well, I'm not doing it in a pagan temple, but I can do it in God's temple. It it doesn't work that way. Male priests who engaged in homosexual sacred prostitution were called Kaddish or Kaddish, literally male holy one. The word evolved semantically in ancient Hebrew to take on a similar meaning to sodomite. The Hebrew word Kaliv or dog in the next line may also signify a male dancer or prostitute. Some scholars see the injunctions against foreign worship, including male sacred prostitution, as possibly the original cause of what would later become Judaism's condemnation of homosexuality. You think? You think? Um, Let me go way back in time to Enoch. Everybody knows about Enoch. Chapter eight. Now, this is the fallen angels had made it with the daughters of men, and they come down, and they're you know they're taking wives wherever they want. And in chapter eight. I'm just going to read a, a, just a, a verse here. Chapter uh, verse one and two. It says an Azazel who was um, a fallen angel. Now Azazel is also the scapegoat uh, that Israel used to put the sins of Israel on and send them into the wilderness. So it's a very interesting study to study Azazel uh, in relation to Enoch. And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates, right? War, implements of war. And made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them. But what else did he teach men, not women, men? What did he teach them? And bracelets Mm. and ornaments Mm. and the use of antimony. You know what antimony is? It's makeup. The use of makeup. And the beautifying of the eyelids, eye makeup, and all kinds of costly stones and coloring tinctures to make yourself look uh, feminine. And there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. That's what this leads to. The book of Enoch, chapter 8, talks about transgenderism right there. He taught them the art of war. So they're violent. They're just like what Josephus, I read what Josephus was saying was going on in 70 AD. They're violent. They're killing like men, but they look like chicks. It's demonic. So he teaches them how to wear bracelets and how to adorn themselves with ornaments and stones and colored tinctures and wear eye makeup and, 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 and beautify their eyelids. 
but they became godless and they committed fornication. I wonder what kind of fornication they committed. Homosexuality. Transgenderism, homosexuality. I don't care what they say. Well, uh, it's not a sexual thing or whatever. It's the same demonic spirit. One more. Philo is a Jewish historian. Philo. Well, no, I don't think he's a Jewish historian. He might be. Anyway, yeah, old historian. Um, I think he was before Josephus. Philo says, moreover, another evil. Now, this is kind of related to Leviticus 18.22. Moreover, another evil much greater than that which we have already mentioned has made its way among and been let loose upon cities, namely the love of boys. You get that, folks? Philo, way back, I mean, before Christ, is talking about pedophilia. The love of boys, which formerly was accounted a great infamy even to be spoken of, but which sin is subject of boasting not only to those who practice it, but even to those who suffer it and who being accustomed to bearing the affliction of being treated like women. Waste away as to both their souls and bodies, not bearing about them a single spark of a manly character to be kindled into a flame, but having even the hair of their heads conspicuously curled and adorned and having their faces smeared with vermilion and paint and things of that kind and having their eyes penciled underneath and having their skins anointed with fragrant perfumes for in such persons as these a sweet smell is a most seductive quality and being well appointed in everything that tends to beauty or elegance are not ashamed to devote their constant study and endeavors to the task of changing their manly character into an effeminate one. And it is natural for those who obey the law to consider such persons worthy of death, since the law commands that the man-woman who adulterates the precious coinage of his nature shall die without redemption, not allowing him to live a single day or even a single hour, as he is a disgrace to himself and to his family and to his country and to the whole race of mankind. Pretty heavy stuff, folks. And let the man who devoted to the love of boys submit to the same punishment, since he pursues that pleasure which is contrary to nature, and since as far as depends upon him, he would make the cities desolate and void and empty of all inhabitants, washing his power of propagating his species, and moreover being a guide and teacher of those greatest of all evils, unmanliness and effeminate lust, stripping young men of the flower of their beauty and wasting their prime of life in effeminacy, which he ought rather, on the other hand, to train to vigor and acts of courage and last of all, because like a worthless husbandman, he allows fertile and productive lands to life follow, contriving that they shall continue barren and labors night and day at cultivating that soil from which he never expects any produce at all. And I imagine that the cause of this is that among many nations, there are actually rewards given for intemperance and effeminacy. At all events, one may see men, women, see, he, she's, this is transgenderism. Philo, the historian talking about it. At all events, one may see men, women, or he, she's continually strutting through the marketplace at midday and leading the the processions and festivals and impious men as they are, having received 
by lot the charge of the temple and beginning the sacred and initiating rites and concerned even in the holy mysteries of Ceres. And some of these persons have been carried their ad have even carried their adoration of these delicate pleasures of youth so far that they have desired wholly to change their condition for that of women and have castrated themselves and have clothed themselves in purple robes like those who having been the cause of great blessings to their native land walk about attended by bodyguards pushing down everyone whom they meet. But if there was a great indignation against those who venture to do such things, such as was felt by our lawgiver, and if such men were destroyed without any chance of escape as the common cause and pollution of their country, then many other persons would be warned and corrected by their example. For the punishment of those persons who have been already condemned cannot be advertly, uh, adverted by entreaty. And therefore, though cause no slight check to those persons who are ambitious of dis- distinguishing themselves by the same pursuits. So Philo is recommending we kill these little bastards um, for having sex with young boys, for ruining young boys' lives, for lay- for for not propagating the rest. The, I mean the the race, and for. Um, causing shame not only on themselves, on their families, but on their countries and on all of mankind. Wow. Um, and that was Philo. That was Philo in relation to Leviticus 18.22. Um, that's some heavy stuff, folks, uh, historically. I, you know, I had, I've, I've never read that before. And uh, when I read that, uh, what was going on way back when, and he, he, I mean, he was nailing it parading through the streets. I mean, look at these gay parades we have now and, and um, how they behave and what they do. And, you know, they just ruin lives. They don't propagate the race. Um, but they spend all their time with men and young boys, but they're not, they're not adding a new generation. They're not teaching uh, what they should be teaching. Philo says they should be killed. God says they should be killed. It's a, it's a, a sin punishable by death. Um, Fortunately, Jesus offers repentance. But if they don't repent, uh, they're not entering the kingdom, regardless of what Gay Christian 101 wants to say. Um, the Bible says different. So anyway, that's it, folks. That's my trans investigation into the Bible uh, as best as I can um, with the scriptures I threw together. And I hope it gets you at least thinking. And uh, watch some of these YouTube videos on trans investigations and, and kind of get an eye for it. It is amazing once you start seeing it, um, you, you can, you can spot it. Um, we'll do that all the time. We'll look and we'll go, that's a dude. That is a dude. And you can spot it. I mean, cause it, just physically, you know, um, just the, the head width and the shoulders and the, the lack of hips and, you know, where things are placed. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and they're, they're looking like females because of all the drugs and hormones and things like that. But uh, it's, it's still, they're men. All right. Crazy world. It's going to get crazier. Uh, it is going to get crazy. You know, before I leave, let me tell you how crazy it's going to be. All right. Enoch chapter one, verse one. Enoch says, the words of the blessing of Enoch, wherein he blessed the elect and righteous. That's you, my friends, if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, who will be living 
in the day of tribulation. That's you, my friends, if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. What? What? You're not going to be raptured? They're going to be removed first? It's kind of like Jesus said about the wheat and tares. The tares are moved first. And he took up his parable and said, Enoch, a righteous man whose eyes were opened by God, saw the vision of the Holy One in the heavens with the angels showed me. And from then I heard everything, and I from them I understood as I saw, but not for this generation, but for a remote one that is to come. That's you, if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. Concerning the elect, I said and took up my parable concerning them. That's you. The Holy Great One will come forth from his dwelling, and the eternal God will tread upon the earth, even on Mount Sinai, and appear from his camp, and appear in the strength of his might from the heaven of heavens. This is the day of the Lord, folks. This is how it ends. And all shall be smitten with fear, and the watchers shall quake. What watchers? Those ones who left their first estate and are down here screwing everything up from day one. Those guys. And great fear and trembling shall seize them unto the ends of the earth. All the kings of the earth are going to be shaken, folks. It's over for them. And the high mountains shall be shaken, and the high hills shall be made low, and shall melt like wax before the flame. And the earth shall be wholly rent in sunder. It's going to split in two. And all that is upon the earth shall perish. All shall perish. And there shall not, there shall be a judgment upon all men. But the righteous he will make peace and will protect the elect. That's you, my friends. And mercy shall be upon them. And they shall all belong to God. And they shall be prospered. And they shall be blessed. And he will help them all. And light shall appear unto them. And he shall make peace with them. Hopefully that's hopefully that's some kind of rapture. Um, but we're not we're not appointed to wrath. They're appointed to wrath, and the wicked are appointed to wrath. We're not. Verse nine. And behold, he cometh with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all, and to destroy all the ungodly, and to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness which they have ungodly committed, and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. If that sounds familiar. Jude 15 quoted the book of Enoch verbatim, yet the book of Enoch is not in our biblical canon, yet Jude quoted it. Hmm. All right, folks, I'm going to say good night. You have a blessed week. We'll uh, talk to you on Freedom Friday when we make fun of these uh, nephews and followers. Good night.
from those leaders of ours, to the teachings of men who still lie. 